When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Windy City Bulls podcast second half of the season is here. Will the Chicago Bulls be a playoff team? Does it matter? Can Zach Levine have an, have a better second half of the season than first? That'd be amazing. Can Wendell Carter Jr. make a huge step forward? What about you, Laurie Markkinen, coming back from injury? Will Otto Porter be here the rest of the way? Both of those guys had a press conference earlier today. And they both played nice. Otto has no idea what's going on. Lowry just wants to take it game by game, even though these could be his last games as a Chicago Bull. There'd be some good drama here, and the Eastern Conference is wild and wide open. So it is going to be a very interesting second half of the season. And ultimately, is LeBron James going to get to number five and drive me crazy? I was doing a bit of research on LeBron in the LeBron-Michael conversation that is exhausting, but I feel like I'm just going to have to have till the end of time. Do you realize in the 2011 finals when they lost to the damn Dallas Mavericks and he was being guarded by J.J. Barea that LeBron James, they always talk about his double-digit point streak, he scored eight points in Game 5 and shot 3 of 13. You disqualified yourself from the GOAT conversation right there. The Heat were up 2-1 in the series. You lost game four. You scored eight. Then they lose games five. And then in game six, LeBron James was minus 24. Nobody else in the starting lineup was worse than minus three. He was minus 24. Don't ever give me that LeBron James goat Jordan BS. It's just nauseating. Straight nauseating. That's not what this podcast is about. We'll, we'll get to the Bulls. And Coach A is with us. So is Brian Beto. Uh, our third time doing this is we're doing it once a week for you at the Windy City Bulls podcast. Hope you are enjoying it. We've got a poll for you today. We'd love to uh, hit you. Uh, you'd love to hit us up on Twitter about Lowry Markinen and Ryan Pace. So stay tuned how those two are somehow connected. But first, the Windy City podcast is brought to you by You Know It, You Love It. That's right. Manscaped, the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Third generation trimmer features the cutting edge ceramic blade. It reduces the grooming accidents that, yes, admittedly, I used to have back in the day, but no longer after I got my Lawnmower 3.0 kit. How do you do that? Well, you go to manscaped.com. And if you put in fan-sided 20, you get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get two free gifts, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that are sweet, keep you fresh all day, and the Travel Shed Bag, which we used to say is the Dop Kit back at Camp Nebagan. And the Travel Shed Bag, take it with you, throw your toothbrush in there, live your dream, go to the store, you got the whole thing, you got your grooming goodies, take them on vacation, it's awesome. Manscaped.com. Put in fan side at 20, get yourself the lawnmower 3.0. Without further ado, Coach A, Brian Beto, the Windy City Podcast starts right now. 
Showtime. Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. He hits for three. And he has had a terrific season. Obviously, that's why he's here. <laughs> I just like to talk to myself and reason it out. 170 to 150. Team LeBron over Team Durant. Welcome in to the Windy City Podcast. Coach A, Brian Beto with you for the next half hour or however long we talk this evening. Recording on the Wednesday night before the Sixers come calling to start the second half of the season. Uh, gentlemen, before we get into Otto Porter perhaps being bought out or want, wanted by the Golden State Warriors, which I find amazing that anybody actually wants Otto Porter, they can have him. I'm listening to the Bulls press conference today, and there was a lot of discussion about the schedule because they play Thursday, they play Friday, they play Sunday, they play Tuesday, they play Wednesday, they play Friday, they play Sunday, they play Monday, they play Wednesday. Like they have a, it gets real compact here. And good teams, Philly, Miami's playing better, Toronto's playing better. You got San Antonio's having a pretty surprising year. Denver's upcoming. The Utah Jazz, best team in basketball. So you're gonna have less practice time, Coach A, and better competition. And you're bringing Otto and Lowry back into the fold. I'm wondering if anybody thinks this is going to get ugly real faster for the Bulls. Ugly? What do you mean by ugly? As in they lose a lot of games. As in Philly beats them. (laughs) (laughs) As in they play another good team the next night and boom, they lose again. And then all of a sudden Toronto's here. Loss. Uh, That's three. They they five straight home games to start the second half here. I mean, how do we think they're going to do back to back to back to back here? I don't. I wouldn't call this team devoid of a bench, but that's going to stress a roster, especially one that's not a great roster. I think they'll handle this pretty well overall if they are healthy. I think they'll handle this pretty well. I think it's a great stretch to see what they have, maybe getting that little bit of break and coming back to playing. Always when you come back from the All-Star game, there's always some teams that take a little bit to get back going. So I think there's a good chance that the Bulls will play 500 basketball with the schedule being tough right now because of that. I think there will be some teams that struggle. I think also teams playing back-to-backs and a bunch of nights. The one advantage the Bulls could have if Porter and Marketing are healthy and back, the Bulls have 10, 11 guys to play. And, you know, let's say you have a bad night for Kobe White. Adaransky and Archidiakono are you have some depth there. I'm actually hearing that maybe it's even better for him. Hey Kobe, you suck tonight. We're playing tomorrow. Let's go with you, Sato. Like I don't hate that move on if you're trying to win games and make the playoffs, which we can debate whether or not that matters for this team, Beto. Yeah, yeah, we can get you can get into that. I, I said last week I'm I'm on the, the board all on board of Sato getting the opportunity to play with that first team offense. Well, couple things. Yeah, I think the Bulls, they've hung in there, even against the better teams. They haven't gotten blown out much, really at all. I think the Lakers was the most recent team that, that really kind of took it to them. So they've lost a lot of close games, and it comes with just not being there from a winning perspective, roster deficiency, so on and so forth. But, but I think they'll hold their own. I mean, they, they have Philly tomorrow, but there's no Embiid, no Simmons, based on the COVID protocols. So an opportunity to, to get a win. Uh, there um, and while they they'll have more depth with to, to play devil's advocate, while it's you would think that Porter and Markkinen would be good additions to that, 
does it mess up any sort of rotations or throw them off at all too? Like, what do they do? Do they just start marketing again, put Williams back at the three and, and play big? Do they start Porter? Like what's the deal? Because they seem to be getting in a pretty good flow um, with the rotations they had and then bringing Sat off the bench to not only fuel the second unit, but then close games as well. So like, does his minutes suffer because if his minutes suffer, then the team likely suffers too. Because as David talked about last week, and I agree with these both second best players. So I'm just curious how they'll, they'll kind of finagle the rotations out of the gate, but I think they'll, they'll be fine. They're, they're young. Um, I'm not sure, you know, 30 year olds will have problems with legs, but all those games in a row, they're one of the youngest teams in the league. And with those guys coming back with some fresh legs, hopefully the, the consistent amount of games over the next week, week and a half, two weeks, shouldn't be shouldn't be too taxing. Yeah, I would say marketing is going to start. <clears throat> I'd be stunned yeah. if he's not starting. One because they want his shooting around Carter. You have Carter in there, so you add shooting by having marketing. And at the end of games, marketing was before he got hurt. They were closing games with marketing because with that young playing that pocket position, they want marketing to spread the court as a shooter. And the one game they beat the Knicks, where I think Markkinen had 31 points or whatever, that's kind of what happened. They double-teamed Zach Levine all game. Zach Levine would drop it Thaddeus Young, and then Thaddeus Young hit Markkinen for three-point shots. So Markkinen's going to come back and play a pretty important role for this team. And it'll be interesting to see with him sitting down and not having the team playing fairly well without him. It'll be interesting to see what, what he brings back to the table and what the Bulls have talked to him about, what they want to see from him in the second half uh, from here. I mean, they've won six of nine. They've played well. These, I, I don't know. I, I overreact to press conferences, so maybe I'm just an idiot. But, like, I, I cannot listen to either of those two guys talk anymore. L- Lowry, like, you know, what, what, do, you, do you look at this as a huge stretch for you, like, your Bulls career is about to be over, dude. No, nah, I'm just taking it you know, one game at a time, and uh, you know this doesn't matter to me. I just want to do the best. No, 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 dude. Whoa, I didn't realize Lowry joined our podcast. You sound literally just like him. I mean, it's incredible, it's I, impeccable. I'm, I'm just like, dude, dude. Yes, these games are huge for me. I feel like my Bulls career is on the line if I don't play better basketball, and I don't want to put too much on it. And my team, the Bulls winning games is the most important thing, but clearly this is a very important stretch for me, and I have really missed being on the court, and I'm extremely motivated to play well. Is it that hard to say that? Am I am – I, I just want to, you know, go do do best I can, and I, just, come on, man. He's going to get paid eight figures this offseason either way. Give, give annually, me. So. Uh, well, okay, right, fine. Regardless of his press conferences. Okay, so fine. <laughs> Let, then just say that. How, how about this then? It really doesn't matter to me. I'm going to make a ton of money in the offseason. So whether it's here or elsewhere, it's, I'm good. So not really. And then with this team, this franchise has been shit since I've been here. So I probably might be better off being somewhere else. I mean, I don't, you know. And I, and I was like afraid to, because I haven't been consistently on the press conferences, and I I logged in on the on the Zoom on the main computer here at, at WGN, so I, I my face isn't on there. So if I if I if I raise my hand to ask a question, I'm hitting the I got to put the mic on. It's just awkward. Like Carmen hasn't asked a question since December, and now I'm gonna come in firing at Lowry Market and like, hey Lowry. 
Are you thinking about the fact that these could be your last games as a bull? Although I just should have done it. I mean, what's the difference? But that's what I wanted to ask him. But there. So what's your what's your what's the? I'm interrupting you entirely, but it just brought me thinking about other press conference questions that you've asked. What's your favorite ask at a Bulls press conference? Just based on whether it was the reaction or them getting yelling at you or actually saying that's a great question mark. I don't know if you can narrow it down, but it just made me think about it because I have one that I used as a WGN bump with you that <laughs> came to mind, and I laugh every time I think which, about it. Which one are you referring to? Scott Skiles. What 2007-ish, what 2006. I, what did I say to Scott? This is good. You, I, I just remember you, you – It was. I want to say Scott it was a preseason Skiles. game. And you're, it wasn't like a weird question, but you remember how Skiles was very much like, I don't want to talk about, like, the next game after. I want to talk about, like, right now or in the past. And, like – he, you literally just asked, like, hey, what do you, you know, say to the team to get him right for the next game moving forward? And he just, like, didn't say anything. And he says, you know what, I just have really no idea. And he walked off the press conference. That was it. I do so have you, that. You literally asked a walk-off. And I just remember how hilarious that was. Because um, it wasn't a bad question. It was just an hysterical moment. And just thinking about Scott Skiles' angry blank stare, which he had on his face 95% of the time, it's just I have that image embedded in my head. All right, so I'm going to uh, listen. Do you have that, by the way, anywhere? Because I'd love to put I, I got. I, I might have it somewhere. It's I, incredible, though. I, I need that on this podcast. But what I will put on the podcast, and I'll play it right now, my favorite question I think ever was the one to LeBron James. LeBron, Mark Carmen, WGN, following up on that, what are fair expectations going for? Do you feel like you guys are underdogs? I mean, how do you, how do you look at it? Huh? Well, Underdog? Well, right. But, Me? I, I don't think so. But no, no, me either. <laughs> I, don't, I would never be an underdog. <laughs> would you call yourself a favorite? Um, I think we have a great chance. So, I right, I, I said, because that was 2015, and the Cavs were the best team in the Eastern Conference, and all, and all that LeBron was saying at the time was, oh, we're underdogs, we're underdogs. So I asked him, I said to LeBron, like, do you think that, you guys are an underdog after they eliminated the Bulls the year that Rose hit the banker, and he's like, and then he goes with underdog. Oh, the next night that was just yeah, right. underdog. Underdog sure. me, and I and I and I, you just heard it like I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so, dude. You're LeBron damn James, but you keep on saying that you are. Right. So and that it, that was uh, I think that was my favorite because it was in a whole big gal- gallery, and I had a, had a back and forth with him, and then it was played on Sports Center, and somehow I didn't turn that thing into a successful career. But it was, a, <laughs> but it was a it was a good moment, and that, and, and then there's the Joakim Noah one. You, you do you know do you know that one? I put it on Twitter like three times a year, so I that's got, why I think you might. Remind, I guarantee you, I've heard it. So, David, do you remember in that same Rose game? Game four, game three, they go up 2-1, the last time the Bulls were relevant, honestly, and Rose hits the banker. Early in that game, LeBron drives the baseline, dunks on Noah. Spin move, James throws it down with gusto. And then James and Noah exchange words. These two have had a history over the years. They're going back and forth with each other verbally. And James got the technical foul for taunting, I believe. And yells at him. And the refs give him a T. And Noah starts screaming at him. 
and, and the crowd goes crazy and they're saying LeBron sucks. And so then after the game, I go, <laughs> I, everyone's in the greatest mood there. They're up two one Rose. hits the game winner. And I walk up to Noah and I, and I, and I say to him, did you enjoy the moment with Le- LeBron on the baseline with you guys? When I got dunked on? Yeah. No, I didn't enjoy it. Did he say something to you first there? Why would I enjoy getting dunked on? I don't know. Well, well, you got the crowd going. You were cheering. It, it was some emotion no, I there. I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> Best feeling. It's crazy. What a bad question. <laughs> hey, Joe. Was, mo- mo- Joe. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I and I say and I just looked at like I had some level of relationship with him, so I wasn't like I felt like I had to hold my own at that point, and I was just like I was like, yeah, when you got dunked on, you know, I just said yeah, and he said, why would I enjoy getting dunked on? And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, like, <laughs> I can just hear him saying that too, like you know, like why, why would I enjoy that, man? <laughs> uh, well, I, and I said to him, I'm like, well, you got the crowd going, you got a tea, like you know, the, he's like, oh yeah, I loved it, it was great. <laughs> well, I, I had a to- I had a totally different thought while you were talking about Lowry marketing. I, I was like, is, is, who would I rather listen to, Lowry marketing or Ryan Pace? Right. You know, how many, you know, like what I, I, that's what I was thinking. Dito's wondering what questions you're asking. I'm wondering like, wow, who would I rather listen to? Lowry Markin is pretty bad, but I think I'd still listen to him over Ryan. <laughs> right. So, and, and please, please uh, hit us a tweet. If, and we, we'd love to find out who's listening to the podcast and, and just get you involved here at Brian Beto at the Carm at Play Hard Hoops, would you rather listen to Larry Markinen or Ryan Pace? Or who else is in that team photo? Because there are just – it is a long list. I could not listen to Fred Hoiberg. I, I, that was I, – I couldn't listen to Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan, it was like you can couldn't turn away, though. Like, I love listening to it because it was such a train wreck. It was a car wreck. That's what that was. It was a car wreck you want to listen to. I take it back. Boylan was amazing. That's a totally great point. And and Jim Boylan will be, if if you listen to the end of the podcast, I play a song at the end of it. And I'm gonna Jim Boylan's. You're you're making the you're making the show tonight. We're gonna pick out some 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 great Jim Boylan's. I'll, t- I'll tell you one time I heard a press conference with Jim with uh, Hoiberg with Hoiberg Fred Hoiberg and it was the day that I was pretty sure he was not cut out to be a really good coach. And I was listening to him after the game. I went to the game with my father, and the Bulls lost pretty big. And all he talked about in the press conference was we kept having to take the ball out of the net. It's hard. It's hard. You know, they asked about the half court offense. You know, your half court offense is doing well. You know, well, it's really hard if, when you're taking the ball out of the net all the time. And I said to my dad, I said, it's the NBA. Teams score 100 to 110 points a game. <laughs> like you're going to take the ball out of the net 50 to 55 times, almost guaranteed. So you're saying 50 to 55 possessions of a game is going to be really hard because we have to take it out of the net. I was like, I was like, this is, this is crazy talk. And he just kept saying, I'm like, I understand if he said it one time and said, okay, no, look, you want to get in transition. We're playing the half court too much. We want to get in transition. I understand that point. But when you just keep going over and over back to, we kept taking it out of the net. I'm like, you, you have no answer for that? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's when I was sure he was not cut out to be a good 
and by yeah, yeah and by the way, Nebraska, you're screwed. Uh, which yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he had college because maybe that's why he went there. I mean, they play a slow pace, right? So the odds is they may they may only take the ball out of the net like twenty times a game. <laughs> so it's a lot less than the I, the fifty that he's that he's anticipating. They're about to they're about to play right now. They're playing Penn State. So we'll see how many times it uh it happens with them. I kind of felt bad about like. Like talking down about Hoiberg, but he seems like the nicest guy ever. True. Like even if you were mean to him, he would still be nice to you. Like one of those guys. But I'm in agreement that um, it was it was probably best to move on. Fr- friendly fellow, and the the great the greatest Fred Hoiberg moment was when Sean Hyken. Do you know who that is? Yeah. One of the all-time great reporters. I never quite understood what Hyken does or did, or I think he works for Bleacher Report, but. He he would walk. Hiken was like he was at literally every like Thibodeau, Hoiberg game, and just one time he in the middle of the press conference he walked up with the camera and like blocked out Hoiberg on the screen to get his thing. And Hoiberg just looks at me. He's like, "Really, Sean?" Like it was it was so. And he's like, "Oh, sorry." And like Hiken is the quintessential nerd. <laughs> He's, he's a great reporter. He's a great reporter and he and he and he has thoughts and knows his hoop and all that but it was like he it was it was so awkward I'm like okay what are you doing dude <laughs> yeah, especially when Fred Hoiberg's questioning you, right? Like if he's a little sarcastic with you, you know you, you did something that great. It, it was it was it was phenomenal. Uh all right, and then okay. Uh well, I'm sorry I derailed this with the press conference. No, no, thing. no, no, no. This this, this this you 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 made it better. Just to move off the press comments, but also stay with it at the same time. Listening to Otto Porter today, <laughs> it like hey Casey Johnson asked like hey Otto, and we I could play the cut. Hey Otto, there's rumors out there that you're that you're you're looking at a buyout that you might not finish the season here. That teams like the Golden State Warriors are interested in you. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, that's my agent. Like, dude, of course you have an idea. I, I, I know you can't be honest, but like, I, why can't I just don't understand? Actually, I, I don't understand why they can't be honest. Look, yeah, a you lot can't of, talk about existing players like with other teams. No, but, gonna say, yeah, I know the Warriors have got some okay, some, he, but, some interest. But K- Casey didn't name any teams. They just asked him about it. Why can't he say? Uh-oh. Why can't he just say like? There's yeah yeah you know the, the my the end of my year could go a lot of different ways. I'd I'd love to be in Chicago and help this team go you know make the playoffs, but you know if if something else makes sense, then then you know hey listen I'm gonna I'm gonna hoop. Like they they used to like Noah was they used to ask Joe Keem Noah way back in the day. They'd be like, is it hard uh, when you you know when you have a back to back? I I don't know why I don't know why you think he would actually know what's going on. The guy's played 40 games in three years. He's basically been in, been on vacation. Who knows if he's even been in the United States of America? If you had told someone that Otto Porter would play less games than Felicio or Feliciano, whatever you call him, <laughs> in the last three years, I mean, that, the guy's played less games than Cristiano Felicio in three years. Th- that's that's another good point. Like, and this is where I'm just mad at myself, and I'm turning it like mad at Otto. Like, I just want to ask the question: Hey, Otto, do you feel bad that you've been stealing thirty million dollars a year when you've been here, and nobody can even, no one even knows your name, let alone the people on this Zoom call? Like, if there was, if if you walk down the street 
in, in a in a if you walked into a basketball facility, they'd have no idea who you were. But outside of that, he, I, I can't. I can't. I just. Hey, it's not his Mike, fault. Mike. The 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 Warriors, the Wizards, gave him like thirty something million. That's true. A year. That's true. Congratulations. If the Wizards wanted to give you thirty million dollars a year. Would you not take it? No, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. But they they, they asked him like, "Well, what's the injury?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, well, I've just my back. You know, it, it's been it's been bugging me." And like, <laughs> it, my question would be. Do you have a residence in the state of Illinois? Because uh, he probably has not had to live here for the last three years. That's a great the, the amount of, that he's played and practiced. And and to, to put this into a bow on on what players said, Noah's question was, you know, is it tough? And he, he, this is young Noah, but he's like, no man, it, it, it's not that tough. I'm in the NBA. I get paid a ton of money to play it. This is a sweet gig. It ain't that tough, right? You make $4 million a year to play basketball. Nothing's tough. If you play 10 minutes, 30 minutes, back-to-back, three nights in a row, none of it's tough. It's awesome. It's incredible. I'm in the NBA. What do you do? Oh, yeah, I'm on the phone all day long talking to yahoos, and I make you know I make five figures. That's what I do. What do you do? I'm, I make it seven figures playing basketball. You sound like Troy Hawkins from, like, 04 yelling at the media. I can do what you guys can do, but you can't do what I do. No, I, I didn't say that. I didn't go that far, but... But he but he could, he could. You Noah's as far as Noah's concerned, his uh, his barstool podcast with those guys was unbelievable. All right, let let let's, yeah, it was. Let, let, I mean, really, like Joe Kim, you'd be. Oh, it's so just like him, like like thinking about again not winning, and then like just like yelling out profanities, being like, "Oh, I I thought we had it, we would have won." <laughs> like just so honest and sincere, it's incredible. Coach, a, have you so. seen it? Seen. The Barstool podcast with with Noah. I have not seen it. No, it you 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 got to watch it. It's unbelievable. Okay. He's so. I could put that at the back end of the show too. He he's he's just um, as raw as you could possibly be, and and the, the anger is is a hundred percent real on how it just bothers him that they never got past Miami and LeBron. But let let's let's let let's set some uh, second half goals here for. A bunch of guys, and and at the end of the season, we'll see if they met them. I'll let you guys handle this. Um, goal number one: What's what? What if you're talking to Zach Levine? Hey, Zach, you made the All Star team. You had a phenomenal first half. We're super proud of you. You've you couldn't be more. Uh, we couldn't be more grateful that you've taken the next level with Billy. Thirty five minutes a game, twenty eight a night, twenty nine a night. Really, if you round it up, you're shooting fifty two and a half percent from the field. That's ridiculous. You're the you know over forty three and a half from three. You've been sweet. But what I mean, what kind of goals could, would you set for Zach as he tries to keep on raising it up? I'll start on Zach. So my my goal for Zach would be it's now time for him to have people stop talking. If they're going to talk about him defensively, they're going to talk about it in a more positive way. It's time for him to move in that direction. And I've always, I've always given Zach a pass as far as defensively, not a pass that, hey, he's, he doesn't have to be good at it. I just believe in the NBA. If you're playing on a team that's losing by 10 to 20 points going into the fourth quarter 75% of the time, I'm not going to judge you as a defender yet. I'm going to judge you as a defender – when you start playing in close games and games matter, you know, I remember J.R. Smith, nobody thought J.R. Smith would play defense 
until he was on the Cavaliers. And by the time you got uh, playing two or three NBA finals, people talked all the time about how good he was defensively. You know, until you have that accountability that's thrust upon you that, look, if you're not going to play defense, you're going to sit on the bench. I don't hold NBA players as accountable. But now that the Bulls are going to be playing close games, he does have to take that next step defensively. Beto, you want to add anything on? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's where it goes, right? He's he's certainly in, improved, relatively speaking, the last couple of years. But if I was going to talk to him, actually, first I would say happy birthday because it's his birthday today. All right, happy but secondly, I would kind of echo happy everything that <laughs> echo everything uh, David kind of said um, as well. So I think. I mean, his evolution just offensively has been unbelievable. And if he can make it even to being somewhat of what is considered a two-way, you know, wing, then um, really uh, the sky's the limit for him. But that would be the focus for me as well. I would just throw in on Zach, better down the stretch, better decisions. Uh, you, I'm okay with him forcing some shots. That's that's cool. Go ahead and do it. But there. It, it's got to be a little bit smoother than it was in the first half if he really wants to get to elite level Zach Levine. That's what I would say. Uh, let's do Wendell Carter Jr. next. And I'll start with this one. I, I want, and I'll back to the hyperbolic, I, I want him to remove the confused Wendell Carter Jr. look on his face. Like half the time he's looking around like, how was that foul on me? And or, or and then he has that timid look too. I, I want a more confident, bo- uh, just bold Wendell Carter Jr. Beto, you want to go first here? Sure. I, I, I think I just want to be, this is more tactical, but um, it, just more consistent work in the, the pick and roll defense for me. I, I know he... You know, he's he's someone that was kind of praised as being being able to adjust, be able to guard different positions. But since the Bulls switched their their coverage in that between Donovan and, and Boylan to more of a drop coverage, so I think there's been times where he's he's you could growing pains have been there because I think the all the ability there is to be a really solid defender. I, yes, he's undersized against the, the the bigs down there, but I think we can get a little bit more defensively out of him, and he's just he struggled there, and that was one of the things I thought he'd be, be really, really good at um, when he came into the league. Man, Beto, that's a good job right there. You sound like a coach. <laughs> with that one right Don't there. edit that out. <laughs> I am totally, I am totally with you on that. Besides that he has one of the weirder tattoos like hanging outside of his uniform. Like I wish he wore a t-shirt or a, like something underneath it for whatever reason that the tattoo just looked kind of strange. He's got that big bird. I don't know. Like it looks like wings coming out of the uniform. Bad you know, tattoo choice. That, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a lover of that one, but um, <laughs> I would just say, look, he's, he's got to do what Beto just talked about so he could play at the end of the games. Uh, you know, if I was say, what's the goal for Wendell? At the end of the day, I'd like to see Wendell Carter playing at the end of the games. And right now, they don't feel comfortable playing there for two reasons. One, he can't shoot outside of if Thaddeus Young is the pocket guy. He doesn't shoot well enough. Two, he doesn't play the pick and roll well enough. So he's got to find a way, one, one way, one one way or the other, a way to get on the floor at the end of the game. I'd also like to see him f- just become a dynamic finisher. You get you get the ball in the paint. You know what you're going to do with it. You you have a you have a comfort level down there that he hasn't 
at least in my mind, quite found yet. Let's let's go to Patrick Williams. The Patrick Williams rookie stats, which I believe uh, you gave him a B minus last week, Coach A, for his first half performance. Ten points, point seven steals, point eight blocks, seventy nine from the line, thirty nine from three, forty eight from the field, and some decent defense, but disappears at the end of games, which is why you gave him a B minus. Is that where you're starting that you'd like to see him down the stretch become a more significant impact player? Yeah, just more consistent, more consistent offensively that he's trying to score. He definitely has to improve as a playmaker and want him to, to make plays. He's not going to be a playmaker where he's going to get a ton of assists, but the floor is going to open up for him because of shooters like Markin, because of shooters like Levine, because of a shooter like Kobe White. That means the floor is going to be open for drives. I want, he has shown on occasion just a real aggressive, hard-nosed mentality getting to the basket and getting fouled. What I would love to see from Patrick Williams in the second half is his free throw, um, what, whatever analytics are on free throw efficiency or how often you get to the free throw line. I would love to see an uptick in that. And I think that would give me a great um, feeling for him moving forward into next year. I think it's the assertiveness. Um, In addition to that, like Coach just talked about, that occasionally you'll see that aggressive nature. I just want to see it more often. So, and Stacey King talks about this all the time. Like, he needs to be one of the main options. And you see it at times, but other times, and maybe it's because other guys have higher usages, but he'll be camped out there and doesn't seem, not that he's not interested, but he's not super involved on certain possessions. So, I'd like to see him just be a little bit more assertive offensively. And even, like, when he gets the rebound, to get out and go. Like, we've seen some coast-to-coast possessions for him where he makes it look so easy. He's got such long strides, and he's so strong that when he gets full steam ahead, it's difficult to stop him. And the coach's point, he either can score or he can go to the line. So I would just like to see a little bit more of that in the second half. More than anything, I guess the way to put it is, like, I'd like him to just know. I feel like he's one of those guys that doesn't know how good he is yet or how good he can be and I would just like him to just fit into that skin a little bit more I would agree with that and I'd also like along those lines Patrick Williams you can create your own shot you're not going to be the smoothest off the bounce right now but you're so strong that if you get the ball with any edge on the defender you're going to be able to ward him off and get your shot any so I just like to see him continue to be aggressive and I got lo- I got a very low bar for what at this point would be considered a successful year for him because he's off to such a phenomenal start. Uh, Kobe White, understanding the game of basketball outside of just being a pure dynamic scorer. Anybody is, is that too harsh? Is that about right? Well, yeah, exactly I, right about I mean that. for 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 me, I I would think I'm curious what you what you all think too. But for me, it's just like finding his exact role and being a star in it. That's cliche. It's coach speak, but like, like find out what he's great at. And just in this part, this is partially on the bulls, right? Is put him in those situations. So if he's like, we, you know, the analytics say catch and shoot Kobe's the best Kobe, right? Like he, he's great on catch and shoot situations. He struggles a little bit more off the dribble. Not a great facilitator yet. So figuring out like what his long-term role is going to be. And hopefully over the next, whatever, 
three dozen games that he'll he'll start to carve that a little bit more. That would be sort of my high level goal. I've liked, by the way, that let him try to learn how to play the point guard position. He's this is this is a junior in college we're talking about right now. You you're not trying to win an NBA championship this year, so let him try to figure it out. But the sample size is growing larger, and I think we are getting a better idea of exactly what he can be, Coach A. I'm I'm uh I'm not in a in agreement that we're worried about exactly what his role is down the road. I think that's going to continue to evolve. I think that this year is exactly what you talked about, Mark. We're going to see where he's at as a point guard. I think that they are going to try and make a decision a little bit as to, especially with the draft, where they're going to go as far as far as that. But I don't think they're going to give up on Kobe White one way or the other as to exactly what he's going to be. I think they're going to give him the space to continue to uh, improve in that in that way. As you said, he's he's really just a junior in college. And the the area of the game that I want to see him better right now, I don't I think passing wise we'll see some improvements. Understanding the game, we'll see some improvements, but it's gonna be pretty small. I think it'll be a small improvement there at best. The area that I want to see, he's not a good finisher. He's not good getting to the ba- he has struggled getting to the basket and making plays at the basket and looking smooth as a finisher. I've seen a few games that he's done it a little bit better. That's the part of the game for me he's got to improve because he can certainly shoot. His ball handling is not good enough right now, but that's something, like I said, that's why I say there could be continued involvement. He can work on that next year to tighten up the handles. But he should be at his size. He should be a better finisher on the hoop. So I want to see, similar to what you talked about, Wendell Carter being a more dynamic finisher, I want to see – I want to see Kobe White become a better finisher. I, it would be enormous for him if he could be that guy that can not just bang down the three, but, hey, when you get in the lane, you score the basketball. And also – Get fouled. Yeah, right. Get, get fouled. Get fouled. And oh, as you have continued to volley, actually set guys up too. Uh, all right, last one we're going to do is Lowry. So we're telling you uh, – we're hoping for you, Thaddeus Young, and you, Garrett Temple, and you, Sato – that you just keep on being the lovely Chicago Bulls that you are, and <laughs> perhaps we'll we can get into whether or not the Bulls will make a deal with, with Thaddeus at some point here. But Lowry Markinen, he's played fourteen games, he's averaged nineteen a game. Lowry in an up and down first half of an injured season. Yeah, the goal, the first goal, is that we don't want to see him on the milk carton that he's missing, right? I think that's the first thing. See him on the court rather than a milk carton. He he had um, a, he wore a pad on his shoulder today, which Rob Schaefer over at NBC Sports noticed. Like Lowry, I'm seeing that you got a pad. Yep, I do. I got a. I was great, great job by Schaefer. I did not notice that the guy was wearing a little extra padding. So to your point about being on the milk carton, he's going to be extra prepared here. <laughs> so I, I just want to see him. I just want to see him play. He, ultimately. I'm interested to see what kind of attitude he brings to the table, having sat out and seen the Bulls play pretty well. Does he increase his aggressiveness as a player? Does he go to the basket more? Does he does he try and do more of what Thaddeus Young has done, which is your seven feet, can we get a switch against a smaller guy and you actually pound one of those players at the basket? That's what I want to see. 
I want to see him find a new home. <laughs> I swear I'm with him. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think just, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario and maybe I'm, I'm naive to this, but I'm trying to think of a scenario where the bull, he ends up with the bulls next year. And I'm having a hard time coming out with that. So if they can get anything for him and then open up some more playing time for some of these other players, um, I don't know. We'll see. But that's just maybe I'm overreacting to him being out and to struggling right before he was out. I mean, but um, I'm all about P. Will at the four, you know, so I'd love to see him get get some of that chance. But do you think P. Will is going to be a four man for like his whole career? Don't you think he's eventually going to transfer into being a three? I think there'll be a combination of the two. Um, I think it just depends on. I'm curious your thoughts. Like I, I, with this, just this current roster, I feel like that kind of makes sense. But it, you know, you never know. You, like you look at some of these other, I guess, teams like Durant. I'm not calling him Durant, but he's kind of a four now at this point. Kawhi Leonard at times has has played the four. Um, Durant seven. So I, I think like as teams have gone smaller, that you you can see that from time to time because those natural fours have gone to fives. So sometimes you've seen the. The, the stretch out a little bit, depending on the roster. Uh, I don't you... know if he is a four. I'm just saying, like, I just feel the way the game's evolved recently, it, they're like, even the last like two, three years, you're starting to see more of it. I'm having a hard time just dealing with the whole concept of the way the NBA is playing basketball right now. Like he... Pat Williams, you're you're a three all day long in old school hoop, and and just I don't know. A lot of times when I'm watching games right now, I'm, I'm like, okay, you guys are so damn skilled. It's incredible. Zing the ball around and boom, 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 and then the three ball is off and and it's down the well, and it's you're really, really, really talented. And Steph Curry and Damian Lillard in the All-Star game, you're hitting 50-foot threes or 40-foot threes, whatever. I mean, these guys are just incredibly – they're insane. So, I, I like, I really – I respect the skill level. And I, re, I want them to get rid of the corner three and back the three-point line up, like, a, at least three feet. And, and, and just get back to a mid-range game so a guy like Markinen – plays next to Patrick Williams and we can see basketball the way it was used to be played. I, I, does that resonate with anybody on this podcast? I would love if they moved the three point line back. Love it. I mean, agree more. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm in on moving the three point line back. I'm definitely in on, you know, getting the game a little bit more back to the roots of, of how it was played. And that a guy like Luca Garza is, not even going to potentially have a chance to play in the NBA. You know, it'll be interesting. He's going to be a really interesting study to see if he makes it in the, in the new NBA. Cause on one end of it, he can't make it because of the pick and roll and having to be forced, you know, he could end up being forced guarding guys. Like, like you said, Patrick Williams at the four, Kawhi Leonard at the four spot, you know, or at the five spot, you're playing a guy like Thaddeus young. So we know that, but on the other end, because the shooting is so good today that we're seeing players that can finish around the basket kind of get a get you kind of need those players again. I think that's where Thaddeus Young, right? Thaddeus Young is who double teams Thaddeus Young when he gets those mismatches, nobody doubles on him because there's so much shooting. So it really shows mm-hmm. you that if you have a player that could be a, a dynamic finisher around the hoop, 
maybe there is a place for those players in the NBA again because of the shooting being so good. And and that, and that's that's what I like to see. I hate that Mike Smack doesn't have a place in the NBA <laughs> anymore. Good old, good old number fifty-two. Do you get that reference, Pedro? Waiters. Oh God, he's so good. One, no, fifty-two to me there's is no Cleo Mack. I mean, there's no Granville Waiters in the NBA anymore. Come on, Mike. Mike Smack was a third-string backup center when I was like twelve years old, and my my cousins took me to a game. Like my scam as a kid was always that I would. I would I would tell my dad I'd be like Dad cousin Judy wants to take me to the Bulls game, and then I would call up cousin Judy and I'd be like cousin Judy uh, my, my Fred wants me to uh to will you take me to a Bulls game I and then you know he'll he'll pay for it and then it's and be like Dad can I get the credit card, and so we would um, somehow some that's when tickets were you know twelve bucks or whatever, but so. I went with cousin Judy and her date Dan. They're now married. This is thirty years later, and we had seats behind the bucket. This was the game that the Bulls clinched the playoffs in the eighty-five, eighty-six season. They beat the Bullets at home. Jordan wow, shot memory here. Jordan shot twelve of thirty-six, and but he did a, an incredible spike of the basketball as they were in the playoffs. And then that's the year that he scored sixty-three in the Garden. But so yeah. so before the game, we're you know we're sitting behind the bucket, not on the floor, but in the in the box seats like way off the court great great ticket great seat loved it and I'm trying to get autographs as they're coming out and I'm so excited you know I want to get Mike I want to get whoever and the only guy I got was Mike damn Smreck and uh like they're like you know I come back to the Judy and Dan they're like did you get anybody did you get him I'm like I got I'm like I'm like I got Mike Smreck and they're like that's so cool I'm like no it's not it's freaking Mike Smreck <laughs> I was going for the other Mike, right? <laughs> yeah, I need twenty three, but I did get. And he played more games than Otto Porter. It's <laughs> <laughs> he probably played more games than Jordan that year, right? That was wasn't that the injury year? Yeah, that was the injury year. He's probably on a minute minutes limit that that game that you <laughs> probably saw the, against the, against the Bullets. The minutes limit. He, I, I, they had just left let let the minutes limit. Uh, they threw it out before that game, or a couple games before that. Maybe it was that game. I, I think it actually was. Uh, hey, let, let's wrap up. We talked before at the start of this. We wanted to talk Elam ending, and the All-Star game has it, and whether they should bring that to basketball. This podcast is already 45 minutes over, but uh, or 45 minutes long. But let's, let's, let's get some thoughts here. Would you like to see the way that basketball has been played since – the, the great Dr. James Naismith came up with it. There was a, you know, you had free throws at the end of the basketball game and it took forever. But now we're seeing the Elam ending and you play to a certain number and the game goes faster and it's, I don't know, I, I, I don't think they'll ever do this, but it seems like it would be better. Am I, is, is, are you guys with me? I would be with you similar to like how baseball has the California rule. I think possibly overtime, that might be a great way to have overtime rather than forcing teams potentially to play two, three, four overtimes. I think that could be a great, uh, a great ad uh, in overtime. Hey, first team to score seven points or, or 10 points. Ooh, I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. That's a good call out. I see. I've, I, I, so the yelling ending was adopted first in TBT, which is the basketball tournament, um, summer tournament. If you're unfamiliar, um, single elimination, it's like a March Madness style, but it's a lot of alumni teams. The only caveat is you can't have a full guaranteed NBA contract to play in it. Um, I've had a chance to call games, several 
summers doing that, and that's where it originated. They do it every year. They've done it really since it started. And selfishly, as a broadcaster, it's great because no team's ever really out of it. you got to finish. But I just am full on board. I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, right, or at least in the foreseeable future, but fully on board with implementing that. The level of excitement that it adds to an end of the game as opposed to you know, like you said, Dr. James Naismith, the way it's been played, but I'm sure when he created basketball, he wasn't envisioning intentional fouls in a five-point game with right. 20 seconds left. And right. So that's part of it, and that's part of the game. And, like, I understand why teams do it. I just think there's a way to make it a little bit more climactic, um, and I think this would, would do it. So I would be full on board with them doing it in NBA, doing it in college, setting that target score to a certain amount. And I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I just think it's awesome. This year's all-star game didn't have much of a feel to it because team LeBron was dominating. But if you watch last year's game, it was probably the most exciting finish to an all-star game we've had in forever because these teams were trying so hard to get to that target score. Um, And it just picked up the intensity level. It was pretty cool. For those of us who are listening at home and don't quite understand it, does does the target score change every game once you get to the fourth quarter? Is that how it works? So there's there's a couple ways to do it. So you could either change it at the beginning of – so you could change it at the end of the third quarter or you could change it, like, for example, with four minutes left in the game. And what the, basically you do is that you look at the, the score at where it's at at that given point you turn off the game clock. So the game clock no longer matters. Then you add a certain amount of points. So sometimes it's, you know, 25 points to begin a quarter, or maybe it's, you know, 40 points to begin a quarter. And in the TBT, it's, it's eight points with under two minutes left. And they add eight points to the leading, the winning team score. So the team that's up. So if the, you know, for example, if the bulls were beating, the Sixers tomorrow, 100 to 92 with two minutes left. They would add eight to the Bulls 100. The target score would be 108, and the team that first got to 108 points would win. That's the kind of best example I can think of off the top of my head. I love it. I have z- that would just extend the game. To, that could potentially extend the game though, like crazy. If yep. you said with two minutes, it's 192, and and what if the other team? It could take. Uh, I could take yeah. almost like uh, a, you know ten fifteen minutes of a real clock time to ever get there, and it could be over yeah. in two I minutes. I think it's actually four minutes is what it does. That's what it does. Um, it's four. It's not yeah. two. Um, but either way, like I mean, under two, you a lot of times that does you know, it's like right, like it's like the standard. Like, hey, you know, my wife's like, are you ready to go? And I'm like, hold on, there's two minutes left. She's like, well, that's going to take 15. You know what I mean? I mean, so I feel like it already kind of does that. Yeah. <laughs> it does sometimes. There's no, there's no doubt with the timeouts and everything else. It definitely can, it definitely can do that. But would they still have all those timeouts then at the end that teams would just be constantly calling timeouts when there's, uh, you know, when they're four points away, they'd be calling timeout on every possession. That's a that's another yeah, great point. Good but, question. But so you you can a lot of times team take the timeout to advance the basketball solely too. They still would take it anyway, but you don't need to do that because you're not worried about the clock. Maybe once you hit the Elam ending to any time period, you get each team gets two timeouts left, and that's it. I you could figure they could figure that one out. I'm call, we're calling. Let's get Nick Elam on the line. He's a professor from Dayton. He came up with it. 
and we'll see what he thinks about our wrinkle. Can we get but Nick? Like can we get Nick Elam on the show? Why can't we get Nick Elam on the show? I feel like we could. I think we could probably get a Nick Elam on the show. Let's, let's get Nick Elam on the show. Nick, we're, I'm, I'm coming after you, buddy. Gen- no, I almost called him Jason, who was a great kicker in the '90s for the Broncos. That's true, but it's not not no relation. That's 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 a good memory right there. Gentlemen, we start up the uh, second half of the season. Here come the Philadelphia 76ers, minus Embiid and Simmons in a, a lot of games. So uh, looking forward to seeing how this thing unfolds. Great to be with you, as always, in week three of the Windy City Bulls podcast, baby. Coach A, any final thoughts? Let's go Bulls. Let's get a W versus the Sixers tomorrow. Yeah, baby. Coach Beto? As the young kids would say, I'll, I'll retweet that. Everything he said, get a dub tomorrow. <laughs> We'll we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, tell a friend, and and tweet at us uh, anything about anything that was said today. But what was our main question of the day? If, if people have forgotten it, oh yeah, who do you marketing or pace? Marketing or pace or Lovey Smith? Let's throw him in there. That he might have been the all time oh, worst. Oh, that's, I think that's a great poll question right there. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, Ryan Pace, Lovey Marketing, perfect. <laughs> Why would I enjoy getting dunked on? I don't question well, is that? well, you can. I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> Best feeling. It's crazy. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Jim, we know Gafford was on the active roster. Was he healthy enough to play? Um, I, I thought I thought that he was available, which was good. Um, but I didn't play him tonight. So was he healthy enough to play? Uh, I didn't play him tonight. I just wasn't going to play him with our two centers. So was it because of health, or was it because you had Felicio ahead of him in the rotation? Uh, combination of a couple things. Jim, do you see how that could like inhibit his confidence? So because he's playing his best basketball for like the last two weeks, and then he gets benched for 14 minutes and 47 straight seconds. And there's not a lot of rhythm there. Do you see how that could be hard on him and his confidence? Uh, I mean, are you saying it is hard on him, or are you saying how it could be, or what? What do you say I pull for? He said you made three uh, egregious defensive mistakes. Zach Levine's, you know, got. 13 points scored on him, I guess, or, you know, it was a start five, I don't remember. Because I'm going to develop this bench, and I'm going to develop this team. I got, I got, I got 15 guys to develop, and uh, I'm going to play them in those moments, and they're going to learn how to play winning basketball. I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So, we're going to develop that second group, and we're going to have a bench here in Chicago, and I'm going to keep coaching it. What a bad question. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.